0: To the extra court iron X, and alongside me is biggie e, aka ethan Tate, aka the founding member of john ja morant for mvp how you doing today
1: i'm good i'm definitely so, basketball tomorrow i don't know if i'm going to, to the game but uh you know it never hurts to make it pop up when you're not expecting it
0: I mean, that's the most fun part. They're just randomly popping up. Speaking of randomly popping up, this week has been full of quarterback trades, and we are definitely going to get to them because I'm sure we got a lot to say about both. Um, In addition to that, we are going to talk about the latest comments made by Russell Westbrook and his feelings about the beratement and trash talk he's been getting from fans. And we're going to talk if he's overreacting or not. We're also going to talk... End of the Aaron Rodgers drama Or at least for the time being But will that lead to another Lombardi trophy For the Green Bay Packers But before we get to any of that Please be sure to check out the extraport.net I repeat, the XReport.net For exclusive sports content Written by yours truly and fellow export writers Previous episodes of our lovely podcast And our YouTube channel entitled the extra report without further ado let's go ahead and get things started with the college football player spotlight um, as you all know last week was the NFL scouting combine one of my favorite events of the year now Ethan, I don't know how much of it you were able to watch but who are some guys who really stuck out to you in that process
1: oh um, I didn't get chance to see any of it at all honestly but some of the guys some just like looking at articles and looking at posts on Twitter and things just stuck out Obviously my guy Calvin Austin from Memphis stuck out. Um and I will say my my from um Georgia. Those guys stuck out. I I saw a little bit of Malik Willis's workout and he seemed to have like a really strong arm which caught my attention. Um and all of these just blazing fast sports.
0: Yeah, I mean I know people tried to say it was the turf or whatever, but if you're fast, you're fast, and a lot of these cats were fast. I believe that um, in terms of like average forty times, this was the fastest year for forties ever. And when you actually watch it, it's not hard to see why. Um, as you mentioned, I got three guys who really boosted their stock. Of course, starting off with my main man, Calvin Austin. I mean, had a tremendous workout overall. I don't think it's going to propel him to the first round or anything, but I think that he could prove himself to be an early day-two selection. Uh, Jordan Davis, another guy who people were kind of worried if he would only be a two-down run stopper. Well, he showed that he can play every down, be as physical on every rep. He's faster, more athletic than we anticipated. He's going to go a lot earlier than originally thought. And then finally, another day, Georgia guy defensive end, Travon Walker. In addition to him having a great workout on his own, not seeing Kayvon Thibodeau worked out work out really isn't something else that's gonna boost him up draft board. So those are three guys who I think help themselves the most with the combine. Uh speaking about helping themselves. We got some contract extensions. First off, wide receiver Mike Williams signed a three-year, $60 million contract extension with the Los Angeles Chargers, keeping him in L.A. And then also Harold Landry, outside linebacker for the Tennessee Titans, signed another big extension. Um, He will be signing for 87.5 mil, and I believe it's a five-year deal. So, Ethan, you get to bring back arguably your best pass rusher. How excited are you to have Harold Landry back in the fold?
1: I'm really excited. Um, he had a great year this past season, and I think that it's not going to be one of those situations to where it was just a shake year. So he put up big numbers. I think he's going to. I think he's steadily been improving ever since he's been on on the Titans, and I think he's going to reach a a dominant level sooner rather than later.
0: I'd hope so. I really liked him a lot when he was coming out of Boston College, and this past year was that first year where he really hit. On all the potential that he had So I'm excited to see him build on it um, now, as we all know, not everybody's going to get those big extensions. Instead, so uh, quite a few players ended up getting the con- the franchise tag, and here are a few of those names. Wide receiver Chris Godwin. Uh, Jags tag offensive tackle Cam Robinson. Um, I believe they did the same thing last year. Uh, Packers unsurprisingly tagged wide receiver Devontae Adams. Tight end Dalton Schultz was tagged by the Cowboys. Uh, the Chiefs keep their blindside uh, pass protector Orlando Brown um, Bengals tag safety Jesse Bates the Browns tag tight end David Njoku Dolphins tag Mike Jasicki so quite a few tight ends who end up getting tagged but of those guys who do you think is most likely to sign a long-term extension and who is most likely to leave next year in free agency um, I
1: think David Njoku might leave and the reason I'm saying that is because I feel like he's been a guy that's constantly been franchised today and like the Browns keep bringing him back, but I I personally feel like he doesn't produce and I might be wrong in it, but it's like you're bringing in this guy when you can potentially, you know, sign somebody else that can do a better job at his position. Um, so I got to go with David.
0: In the case of like leaving, I don't know. I'm gonna disagree with you as far as in Joku just because I think thing. I thought that they would probably try to get a long term extension done with him and then release or trade Austin Hooper just because he was the guy who they were really supposed to give all that money to and he didn't do anything with it. Um, but with regards to who I think ends up leaving, it's tough. But I'm gonna say. I'm going to say Cam Robinson, mainly because I feel like the Jags are probably going to prioritize bringing in an offensive lineman, which will make Cam <laughs> excuse me, Cam Robinson expendable, and so they won't be as worried about losing him because they'll have his replacement until whether that be from the draft or bringing in somebody in free agency. All right, of the guys who signed a franchise tag, who do you think is most likely to get a contract extension?
1: Devontae Adams. I, I don't know how, but just given the fact that We know that him and Aaron Rodgers are the most dynamic wide receiver quarterback combo. It has to be
0: him. That makes a lot of sense. But all right, uh, for me, in terms of who's going to get a contract extension, yeah, I mean, it's hard to go against a Devontae Adams, especially because we know that Aaron Rodgers is back. And because he's back, you got to make sure that he's happy. And you know he's not going to be happy if Devontae Adams somehow walks out of that door. But all right, so let's go ahead. We talked about it a bit at the top of the show. We gotta talk about these trades. Starting off with the biggest one of the week. After it was announced that uh, Aaron Rodgers was going to be returning to Green Bay, it was clear that it was not exactly the happiest moment for the Denver Broncos. However, not only did they bounce back, but they bounced back in a bigger way, going fulfilling the trade to get quarterback my brother-in-law um, Russell Wilson. Here's the trade terms. Um, Denver will be receiving Russell Wilson in a fourth-round pick, while Seattle will be receiving Drew Locke, Noah Font, defensive line and defensive lineman Shelby Harris. Two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick. It's a lot to kind of unpack here, but let's go ahead and break things down to the winners and losers. So let's say two for each side, starting off with, who would you say are two winners of this Russell Wilson to Denver trade?
1: And obviously I think obviously Russell Wilson for the fact that I think being in Denver he's in a better situation to win ball games. Um I'm gonna leave it there for now.
0: Okay.
1: And then for the Seattle side, I think that I think Drew Locke won. And the reason I say Drew Locke is because I think when he was in Denver, he had a lot of, like, outside noise and where he wasn't able to focus and just the whole concept of, like, hey, is it him or um, is it him or is it going to be someone else that's the feature of that franchise? I think at least in Seattle, like, he's going to get an opportunity with some amazing weapons and DK Metcalf. Um, he's bringing over Noah Fun, who he has a rapport with, who would be great. And you have Tyler Lockett, so I think he has the opportunity to potentially to shine in Seattle.
0: All right. For me, in terms of winners, first I'm going to say Jerry Judy, wide out for the Broncos. This past – his sophomore season was a bit of a letdown. Well, you could blame it on quarterback play. You could blame it on whatever. But I think that having Russell Wilson there – I think that not only Judy, but this whole receiving core is going to take a step up. But especially Judy, just because he's one of the faster guys. He's one of the guys who's considered to be more explosive. And you know how much Russ loves the deep ball. I think that they're definitely going to do a lot of work for him to be a better uh, pass catcher down the field. And I'm excited to see how that all is going to shake out. And another winner, I'm going to say George Patton general manager for the Denver Broncos. I mean, we, we all know after Peyton Manning retired from the Broncos, it was safe to say that the pa- the pa- Broncos had no peace at quarterback. They were a revolving door from the Paxton Lynches of the world, Trevor Simeon, Brock Osweiler. Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke. I mean, the list, Brett Rippian, the list goes on and on and on. And so, George Patton hasn't been there very long, but he's finally got their quarterback of the future, someone who they can be much more comfortable with. And I think that makes him look very good in the eyes of everybody because that's not something that John Elway was able to do in his time in that same role. But all right, let's go ahead. Who would you say are the two biggest losers of this trade?
1: Our two biggest losers, Russell Wilson. And the reason I say Russell Wilson is because, yes, I feel like he would be in a better position to win games, but I feel like he will be in a worse position to potentially win that Super Bowl because you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes. You're in a division with uh, a young upstart, Justin Herbert, who the Chargers are building a team around him. And then just the AFC in general is that you have the Titans, you have Baltimore. You have, um, shoot, um, dang it, I'm trying to remember. the rest Kansas of the City, teams the Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo, I'm sorry. Like You have a loaded, a super loaded field to go against to make it to the Super Bowl. And granted, we all know the, we know the greatness of Russell Wilson, but I think that is he great enough to overcome the tremendous gauntlet of AFC teams? I don't know. I have faith, but I don't know. I feel um, you. As far as the um, the Seattle side, I think that – I think that um, – honestly, I think Pete Carroll lost. And the reason I say that is because I think one of the big things that kept – that was holding Pete Carroll in his position in Seattle was the fact that Russell Wilson was such a great quarterback. And he was able to cover up some of his shortcomings as a coach and some of his decision-making that he's made as a coach because you have such a great
0: quarterback. Yeah, in terms of losers, I'm 100% agreeance with you with Pete Carroll. I mean, let's be honest. Not to say that Pete Carroll is a bad coach by any means, but as you mentioned, when you have a great quarterback, that is going to make any coach look better. And I think that with Pete Carroll – we saw that when Russell Wilson got hurt – P. Carroll didn't look like that great of a coach. I mean, they looked terrible. The Seahawks did not look like the same team, even with all the weapons on the outside. Their offense was very stagnant. We saw a lot of problems there. And, I mean, let's be honest, P. Carroll is no spring chicken. He's the oldest head coach in the league. If you're a head coach, do you really want to go through a rebuild right now, especially with how tough this is? I, I think it's a hard sell for me, and I don't think – I think Pete Carroll is going to wind up saying he's going to retire. I I have a hard time believing he's actually going to coach this year just because what are you coaching for? This is a rebuild. You're not really – not to say you're not playing for anything, but it's like the expectations are incredibly low. And I don't think that – especially being a Super Bowl-winning head coach, I don't think you want to be playing for essentially a high draft pick. Um, And then another loser for me, my main man, Jamal Adams – He left the New York Jets to find himself in another situation similar to the New York Jets. He wanted to go to a playoff team, and the Seahawks are a playoff team when Russell Wilson is there. They're not going to be a playoff team again for a long time. Um, So with that being said, I feel bad for Jamal because he's in a similar situation where he's just going to be playing for a bad team. But with the rebuild coming, it seems that they could be inclined to trading particular players. A name of note has been Tyler Lockett, possibly a DK Metcalf, and I've even seen Jamal Adams as well. So hopefully those premier players can get out of there. Speaking of premier players who got out of there, Bobby Wagner who's just a few hours after it was announced that Russell Wilson was going to be traded, Bobby Wagner was actually released from the team, which truthfully wasn't that surprising to me just because it seemed like even going into the offseason, he seemed unsure of his future. But now Bobby Wagner, one of the greatest middle linebackers of this generation, is a free agent. So, Ethan, I know completely taking our biases out of it, where do you think that Bobby Wagner ends up? Oh,
1: uh, taking – Taking our biases out of it, totally I taking them Bobby, out. Being honest, I think Bobby Wagner might end up in Las Vegas. They could use him. Like I think that they have a good pass rusher and match crafty. Yes, their their secondary needs help, but I think one of the things that the um the um the Raiders need is they need a leader, and Bobby Wagner is that, and he's been. The most productive middle linebacker in the NFL since basically since he got drafted.
0: This is tough because it's a few teams that I could see him going to, but in a realistic sense, I mean. I hate to pull this card, but, I mean, it, it, it makes too much sense. I would say the Dallas Cowboys, especially if they are a, they do end up uh, cutting Demarcus Lawrence and they'll have a lot more trade capital. I mean, not trade capital, but much more cap space because, you know, Bobby Wagner's not going to come cheap. I mean, middle linebacker is definitely a position worth upgrading because if they do get Bobby Wagner, they could fully commit to having Micah Parsons on the edge. I mean, that's going to make their defense even more lethal. And I think that that just makes too much sense not to happen, unfortunately. Now, I mentioned a bit earlier, but potential trade targets. Now, DK is still kind of up in the air, but it seems like Tyler Lockett, they are listening to offers for Lockett. So, what's the team that you think should try to pull the trigger and trade for him?
1: The Green Bay Packers.
0: Yeah. Makes
1: a lot of sense. I don't – yeah, I don't know how they would would be able to do it, but I think Tyler Lockett is a guy that you – you can you can go after and you don't have to go a lot. And if that's the case, I think they should pull their chicken.
0: I think so as well. Um, I think Green Bay will be a great fit. I mean, when you look at Tyler Lockett, his bread and butter is his ability to catch those deep balls, his ability to stretch the field. While he's solid in those short and intermediate routes, his best plays, as we all know, comes from catching deep balls from Russ. And... Low-key, I kind of want to say Denver just because it would be nice to have a receiver that Russ already has that chemistry with. But in a realistic sense, I could see the Arizona Cardinals trying to pull this off. We know how big of a factor it was for them to throw the ball deep. Kyler Murray has a cannon of an arm. Christian Kirk's going to be on his way out. Why not go ahead and bring in another great deep threat with an even better deep threat in Tyler Lockett? All right, one more piece before we move on from this trade. While, especially at the initial onset of this trade, it was thought that the Seattle Seahawks would possibly ride it out with Drew Locke or maybe even go with the rookie, it seems that they have their eyes on a bigger fish, that fish being uh, Deshaun Watson. They're expected to explore trade scenarios for Mr. Watson. So let's say that they are able to make that happen and they do bring in Deshaun. How much better or how much worse do you think Seattle will be compared to how they were with Russell Wilson? Wilson
1: <clears throat> I think that they hmm, I'm not going to say they'll be the same I think it'll be very similar because the reality of it is is like if you go for the Sean Washington you keep the same weapons you're going to be great but your defense is severely declined because you got rid of Bobby Wagner and like if you do trade Jamal Adams then you're going to basically be in the same, a uh, similar situation to what Deshaun was in with the Texans, to so where you have a great offense, but you can't stop anybody. Yeah. So I think they'll be in a similar situation in the sense of like, they'll be a playoff team, but they won't have any traction to winning a Super Bowl.
0: I feel you on that, especially because, I mean, if you don't have a defense, which, <laughs> excuse me, um, Which, let's be honest, I mean, Shelby Harris is a very good and underrated defensive lineman. I like Shelby Harris a lot, but he's not going to be enough to carry this defense. Same could be said for Jordan Brooks, who had a really good second year in the league, but he's not Bobby Wagner. I think that this defense is going to undergo a lot of issues, and plus they still have a terrible offensive line. So... I love Deshaun Watson, and I think that it would not be the biggest end of the world. I think he'd make them competitive, but I think there's still a lot more work on this roster that needs to be done before I'm really taking the Seattle Seahawks seriously. All right, so let's go ahead to the other quarterback trade. After missing out on both um, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, the Washington Commanders got their quarterback technically they made a trade for Colts quarterback Carson Wentz um in the trade The Commanders will get quarterback Carson Wentz in a 2022 second-round pick, while the Colts will get a 2022 third-round pick and a 2023 third-round pick that can become a second-round pick if Carson Wentz plays 70% of the snaps as well as a 2022 second-round pick. So, same as we did with the Russell Wilson trade, let's go ahead and say two winners and two losers, starting off with two winners of this trade. Two
1: winners of the Indianapolis Colts. For getting rid of Carson Wentz, I know that they currently don't have a starting quarterback, but I feel like they they're making this move to the utmost confidence that they're be able they'll be able to get somebody to replace him, i.e. someone along the lines of Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe a Matt Ryan. But to be able to get rid of him, um, is I feel like it's easiest they they be like they have to be a winner, um. From the commander's side of it, uh, it's hard for me to really find a winner, but I might say Carson Wentz because he might just be in a, he's in a different, uh, crap. It's hard for me to think about it. He's in a different situation and he has better weapons. That's the best way I would put it.
0: Honestly, I don't know if I would say that. I mean, Terry McLaurin is great. Antonio Gibson has potential, but Jonathan Taylor was a bad man. And Michael Pittman, I don't know. If I – I think I'd probably go Pittman and and Taylor right now. But, I mean, I, I get I'm what you're – talking
1: y- about total, like, because he has a number one, a number two, and a running back that he can catch out of the backfield.
0: You know? eh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Curtis Samuel hardly played last season, so it's hard to really kind of factor him in. But I get what you're saying. Um – All right, so my winners, first things first, Indianapolis' finances. Because a big question with regards to trading Carson Wentz was who wanted to take on that heavy load of his contract. I believe he still has – supposed to be owed over $100 million. Well, Washington did so. They took on his whole contract, which means the Colts don't have to pay him anything. So, if anything, they – they save themselves a lot of money, and even though, like you mentioned, they're te- technically losing a starting quarterback, they're saving themselves a lot of grief that would have come with keeping um, Carson. So that's a win for them. And also I'm going to say Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Jonathan Taylor was a bad, bad man this past season, and I think that his role in production is only going to increase, especially because the uncertainty of the quarterback position. So I think that his numbers, even though they were gaudy and impressive this year, I think they're only going to be better this upcoming year. Alright, who would you say are two losers for this trade?
1: And two losers. Um the, the Washington fan base, I think, because they were in a position of thinking that they might get one of the better top one of the better quarterbacks in this free agency, um, slash trade season. And I think that they the team in and of itself, they jumped the gun. Granted, yes, you weren't able to get Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, or Aaron Rodgers, but you could have very well waited it out and maybe gotten a Jimmy G, or in my opinion, a better quarterback than Jimmy G and Matt Ryan, because I don't think that his tenure in Atlanta, I think his tenure in Atlanta is done Um, during this trade deadline season. I think they kind of just went after um, the first opportunity that they can get to potentially get a different quarterback, because in all honesty, in my opinion, Trevor Heineken and Carlson Wentz, they're in the same type of um type of strategy as a quarterback. Okay. From the from the Indianapolis Colts standpoint, I think the loser was Frank Wright because he went out of his way to try to get um Carlson Wentz and he showed that he wasn't and it was proven that he wasn't the guy so they might have some um some trust issues with further decisions in the future. I feel you.
0: Um, Moving on, for me, I would say Washington just in general. As you mentioned, they really jumped the gun on this trade. Like, I understand being desperate and wanting, you know, wanting a quarterback, missing out on the big guys, trying to get somebody else. But I feel like, like you mentioned, I feel like they could have gotten better, but they rushed. And, I mean, if you look at it, like like you mentioned, the Colts don't even have a starting quarterback right now. But they're still willing to get rid of Carson Wentz what does that tell you but you were so willing to get him it's just it's a bad look i mean i guess from the standpoint of he's familiar with the nfc east played there for the first several years of his career so okay that makes sense i guess but overall i don't i i i don't like it for them and another loser i'm gonna say taylor heineke um as you mentioned i mean truthfully taylor heineke wasn't terrible he wasn't great last year either but i just I don't know. I think that they really could have just rolled it out with what they had with regards to Taylor Haneke and then drafting a rookie and having a competition. I think both that option would be better than just kind of going all in on Carson Wentz just because we've seen that Carson Wentz right now is not that dependable. So I think that this is going to be a thing that ends up coming back to bite them. But all right, speaking of things coming back to bite them, um, gambling seems to have come back to bite Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, uh, Calvin Ridley, who was suspended for this upcoming 2022 season for apparently gambling and betting on Falcons games. Uh, following his suspension, uh, Ridley m- sent out a number of tweets, um, including things such as, um, I bet $1,500 total. I don't have a gambling problem. Um, other things that he said were, oh my gosh, if I can find the I'll find him when I don't care. But it's definitely been a a bit of a... It's been a... I'm trying to find the right words for this. It's definitely been a bit of a dividing conversation. Some people understand that he should have been suspended for as long as he was because of his decision to gamble, particularly on his teams, even though he did pick them to win. Even still, people find him untrustworthy and question if he can do it. And others feel like his... um, feel like his decision was a bit uh, rash, and they think that it was an unfair suspension. For example, uh, Jay Williams on Get Up on ESPN said, you're going to suspend Calvin Ridley for 1,500 parlay bet, but when there's a history of players having domestic violence, when you look at the history of the league, they only get suspended for six games. So, Ethan, what are your thoughts on this? Do you feel like Calvin Ridley was justly suspended? Was it too harsh? What are your thoughts on all of this?
1: I don't think he was justly suspended. I think it was too harsh in the sense of like I agree with Jay Wright where it's like um, yeah, you get guys that have had domestic disputes and even way in other legal troubles and they get suspended three games max with this guy. He bet on his team in games that he didn't play in. Like he was injured. Yeah. I think that's the thing that that's the that's the deciding factor for me. It's different if he was actually in those games, and he bet and he bet on those games, and he might have changed outcomes of games. And even then, I wouldn't suspend him a whole season. But yeah, you have guys that have legal trauma troubles and trauma attached to their name, and yet they're able to play after a game or two. So I definitely think that it was. Uh, I'm not going to say overblown, but I think that it could have definitely been
0: reduced. I agree. I think that just in terms of, like you said, like the priorities and compare it to what other people get suspended for, I think that it is incredibly – I think it's wrong. Not say he shouldn't have gotten suspended because I agree that it is very hypocritical that players can get suspended for betting, but, I mean, the league is making so much money off of these bets. I get that, but – I can understand why you kind of have questions about a player betting on games. Sure, you're betting for this, our team. But who's to say you're going to keep betting on our team? Who's to say that you might make extra money by dropping a pass or... Who's to say you might not blow a game just so you could make some extra money? Like so, little things like that, I can totally see why that would be problematic and why it could lead to trust issues and a suspension being warranted. However, I think missing a whole season, especially in comparison to players who um, only miss a few games due to domestic violence instances, I think that that's that's the biggest problem. And as you mentioned, it's not like he was playing in those games. Most of this past season, he missed out on because he took the year off for personal reasons and for his mental health. And so, with that being said, I think that it is a bit overblown. But I feel like even if he tries to uh, peel it, it's not going to – I don't think it's going to change anything. I think he's still going to end up having to face the full-year suspension. Now, in another question, all right, let's say he does have that full-year suspension. Do you think he's going to go back to the same player that he was before? Because essentially it would be almost two years since he played at a high
1: level. Um, I think he could be. A big reason being is that he'll – he'll be fully healthy. Like, that's one of the things where, yes, I understand that he, the NFL, the catch-up to him, and, like, you will get new freak athletes in every year. But one of the things that he's been known for is being one of the best route runners in the game. And, like, that's something that you can't kind of, it's not like a speed issue. Like, you can drop, you can reduce, you can have slower speeds, but if you're still a great route runner, you're still going to be able to do that. So, I think he'll still be at a league level.
0: I think he's going to have a little bit of rust. I mean, just from not playing almost two years, like I mentioned, I mean, that's going to be difficult. And as you mentioned, the league is getting faster and stronger. But I think that he'll still be able to be a productive receiver. I just don't know if. Because, I mean, this past year was supposed to be the year that he took over for Atlanta. He was going to be the new Julio. And I just don't think he's ever going to be that guy again. Could he be an 800-plus receiving yard guy? I could totally see that. Maybe never a team's number one, but a really good number two option. I I think that's more so his trajectory now as opposed to being seen as a definite number one. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to a game of believable or buffoonery, starting with my QB1 Lamar Jackson. Now it seems that the Baltimore Ravens and he have had conversations about getting him a contract extension. But nothing has really materialized. And the belief is that uh, Lamar Jackson is willing to play out his entire contract without extension, which will make him eligible for one in 2025. Um, If he was to do that, that means that he would go through all the options, including getting a fifth-year option, a franchise tag, and then a second franchise tag that would eventually make him a free agent in 2025. So believable or buffoonery, Lamar Jackson is making a mistake playing out his contract.
1: I'm going to say Buffonery. And the reason I say that is because I think that he'll, as long as he stays healthy, and that's a big if, I think he's going to be one of those guys that he's going to end up getting a large contract regardless of whether he signs with, re-signs with the Ravens, or if he leaves and goes to another team.
0: Um I'm... I'm going to say believable, mainly just because with his style of play, he's going to take a lot more contact than other quarterbacks are going to take. And a year can change everything for you financially, especially as a quarterback. I mean, we saw, for example, um, this past offseason, Baker Mayfield could have made quite a bit of money but he wanted to play another year to try to boost himself. Well, he's not going to make as much money as uh, people originally thought he was going to because he got exposed. Lamar Jackson, this past year he was hurt. It's hard to really judge, but let's say he gets hurt again next year. If I think that you would kind of need that security. I think that you'd rather have that as opposed to you don't get in this kind of like a situation with Dak Prescott when he got hurt um, last season, ended up having to miss year in like week four or something like that. And so I just think that as a quarterback, there's so many mitigating factors and there's so many things that could change that I'd rather have my bag. And I understand you want to bet on yourself, and I understand that, but what if I hate to, like, say that, but, like, what if you never go back to MVP Lamar? What if you're never that player again who set the league on fire? And if that's the case, you're not going to make the same money that you could have made had you signed a deal now. I think it's better to kind of strike while the iron's hot, but – I mean, it's saving us money for now, I guess, so I guess I'm not going to complain too much about it. All right, moving on to the next uh, question. Um, Just played in the Super Bowl, was traded from the Denver Broncos around midseason. Von Miller might want that old thing back. Earlier this week on his Instagram, he posted pictures on his story um, of him in the Denver Broncos uniform. One picture that said, I wonder if they still would give me my old locker back, and another one that said, 58 or 40." In blue and orange. While it's not definite that he will be returning to Denver, I mean, Denver's looking a lot more attractive with Russell Wilson as their starting quarterback. So, believable or buffoonery? Von Miller would prefer to go back to Denver instead of staying in L.A. I
1: think it's believable. I think that that's been his home for basically his whole career. And like we just stated, Denver looks way more attractive than it did when he left. So I wouldn't be surprised if he were to go back to Denver.
0: I would say believable as well. I think that, while don't get me wrong, playing in L.A. is great. I think that L.A. is – I think the Rams are kind of going on a downshift now. Like, especially if Aaron Donald actually does decide to retire, that's going to change a lot of things for that defense. Offensively, I mean, this year was Super Bowl or bust. They were trying to make sure that they would get the ring, and they did. They said F them picks, and it worked. But how much, how long is this going to be sustainable? How long are they going to be able to still be competitive? Like, did you sell your soul for that one Super Bowl and then it's over, or what? And I think that that's going to be the biggest question, whereas when you look at Denver, now they look like they have a bit more of a future. And like you mentioned, plus it's his home. I mean, he won a Super Bowl there. He was their Super Bowl MVP. You can tell he has so much love for Denver. So I I could see it happening. I, could, I wouldn't be mad about it either. All right, just a couple more questions before we move on to the NBA. This one referring to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, multiple teams have reportedly been calling about the Panthers' running back for to set up a potential trade, and in order for the Panthers to consider it, apparently they are saying that a team would have they would have to be offered a first-round pick and another player without a big salary cap number. Believable or buffoonery, Christian McCaffrey is worth a first-round pick.
1: Um, I'm going to say believable. With the caveat of when he's on the field. That's the biggest question mark. Because when he's on the field, I think he is worth a first-round pick. The big thing, the big deciding factor is his health. We all know that he is um, a, a smaller statue running back. And he carries quite a load. I think if he were to go to a team and they... Say they're more, um, they're more well-rounded and they don't have to just solely rely on him, I think it would be worth giving up a first-round pick.
0: I would say believe, I mean, buffoonery. I think that these past few years hurt him a lot because he was unable to play. And for most of it, and it's like, especially at running backs, they come a dime a dozen and it's like, if you're a team that's already stacked every like for example the Buffalo Bills they're pretty much stacked top to bottom. I could see them potentially making a move like that because they don't have any severe other needs that could be addressed by a first round talented player. But another team that just for example let me say shit, who has a first round pick. And all right, let's say Seattle. I don't see Seattle doing it because they have so many other needs and so many other things that they can work on, whereas they can just find another solid running back in free agency or in the draft that can do similar things to Christian McCaffrey. Maybe not to his level, but I still think that one is a lot to ask for for a player who hasn't really been able to play the past couple of years. So I would say Foonery. All right, last question. We mentioned it earlier. Aaron Rodgers will be returning to the Green Bay Packers while the – Report that he signed a $200 million contract was not exactly the case. He's still going to be going back for an undetermined deal. That's fine and dandy, but now the pressure is officially on. And it begs the question of if he can finally lead the Packers back to another Lombardi trophy. So, believable or buffoonery, the Packers will win another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers within the next two seasons. Must I don't see that happening. I think that uh, given I think that he he has the talent to make
1: it to the Super Bowl. But given the like I stated I think earlier with Russ, given the just gone little teams in the AFC, like the AFC looks like a dominant just division from almost top to bottom compared to the NFC when in years past it used to be the reverse.
0: But I don't see him winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. On paper, I think that the Packers should be seen as NFC favorites. But we said the same thing last year. And they lost in the NFC championship. I mean, not NFC championship, the, the divisional round to the 49ers, a team that was supremely less talented. I think that that's kind of been the story of the Packers for the past several years. On paper, they should be this. On paper, they should be that. But in the end, they just find themselves being disappointments. And that's not to say that Aaron Rodgers is not a tremendous quarterback. He's terrific. He won MVP for a reason. That's not to say that uh, Devontae Adams is not a bad man because he absolutely is. But it's like it's hard to really buy the Packers just because it's always that year of, oh, they should be this and they should be that. So I'm going to say buffoonery because I'm just after a while, talk is cheap. If you're not actually putting forth the results, nobody cares. And the results just haven't been there for the Packers. So I'm sure they'll be a fun team to watch in a regular season, but I I still just don't trust them in the postseason. So I'm calling buffoonery too. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. Ethan, what are your top three takeaways of this past week of action?
1: Um, That the Golden State Warriors are going to the fate of their playoffs and the fate of their chances of the NBA championship hinge on what Draymond looks like when he returns. He said on his podcast he return he plans to return March tenth against the Washington Wizards, AK tonight. And yeah, I forgot. it's tonight, date.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, I think that's going to play a big role. I think that the the Eastern Conference is this weird melting pot of like. On any given night, one of those top teams, they have a dominant performance, and you think that they're going to be the best team out of their conference. And um, I think that the MVP race is definitely leaning more towards Joel Embiid than the
0: field. I would agree with that. All right, let's talk our Mamba Players of the Week. Starting out of that Eastern Conference, Doyle and B would definitely be a fair answer, but I'm going to show some love to um, Jason Tatum this past, I mean, let's be honest. The Celtics coming out of the All-Star break have looked amazing. They've really turned things around defensively, but offensively they're still putting up some great numbers, uh, particularly Jason Tatum, who has been a scoring um, czar these past few games Um, this in this past week against Memphis, dropped 37 against the Nets in a great game dropped 54 and then just last night against charlotte dropped 44 i mean jason tatum is really kind of honing in on that mamba mentality of carrying his team offensively and doing it in a fine way that's producing wins oh for me i gotta
1: go with Joel. like also i'm kind of salty because my team lost to the series, so i, I can't understand. Jason tatum um, so, young yeah, I'm going to and be, even with the addition of James Harden, he still shows that he's the best and most dominant player in the NBA.
0: I mean, my team's been losing to everybody this year, so, I mean, I'm salty towards everyone, so I get it. Um, all right, let's move to the Western Conference, a team that has beaten – actually, no, they didn't beat us. We actually beat them, believe it or not. The Luka – um, Luka Doncic, I'm sorry, star of the Dallas Mavericks. He's my Western Mamba of the week. I mean, the whole month of February, he really had been on a tear, and this week has really just been no different. I mean, three straight games with over 31 points, uh, 41, 35, uh, 31, double-doubles in those first two games. I mean – Luka Doncic is doing what makes Luka great, and that is just be a terror, be a tremendous on every offensive level, and he's been very fun to watch. Not as fun as, you know, this one-point guard in Memphis, but Luka's still a dog. For
1: sure. Uh, for me, I'm going – I got to go big man heavy. I'm going with Nikola Jokic from the Denver Nuggets. He, in my opinion, is definitely a top-five candidate for MVP. But just – it was – What game was it it was a couple of nights ago where it was just him and like a bunch of nobodies against I think it was the Mavs. I might be wrong Mm -hmm. And he dropped like a 42 43 point triple double and just took over the game down the stretch So I got to go with the Joker
0: the fair very fair He was definitely up there for me as another option um, my Rookie Mamba of the Week, I'm going to show sure love to Cade Cunningham. I mean, Cade has been balling this past week, has scored 20-plus these last uh, games, had a double-double against Atlanta 28-10. and 10. I know it's not exactly leading to wins, but he does get those wins against fellow rookie competitors, which I think deserves to be noted. So I'm going Cade.
1: Yeah, I'm going Cade as well. He's definitely shown um, that he's progressed and gotten better as, as the season has gone on. Um, I definitely still think that Evan Mobley should deserve rookie out of the year, but at least for this week, Cave is the guy.
0: Fair enough. All right, let's go ahead and look at some injury news. Speaking with Evan Mobley's uh, teammate, uh, Jared Allen, who is going to be out indefinitely with a fractured finger, which is going to be a big blow to the Cavs. But on a positive note, Zion Williamson has returned to New Orleans and is cleared to progress in basketball activities it's also reported that he seemed to have lost 20 pounds since the last time he had been weighed so we could be seeing Zion sooner rather than later what are you expecting out of the former first overall pick in his return to New Orleans um
1: for him to be the same explosive freaking nature that he was before he got hurt I think he it might take him a little while I definitely think he'll be on another minute's restriction just giving the conditioning level that he's at and just coming off of a toe in a foot injury but i think he in those limited minutes he'll show signs of being that guy that we were like oh my god this is a this is a superhero in the nba jersey type of type of vibe
0: i could definitely see that form all right so let's go ahead and look at some players who are going to be making some money this upcoming offseason Nicole Jokic. Last year's MVP, another guy still in the MVP conversation, he's expected to sign a Supermax extension with the Denver Nuggets, which is anticipated to be a five-year $241 million deal, while Bradley Beal is leaning towards re-signing with the Wizards, and the deal could be worth up to five-year $246 million dollars. We talked about it a lot. I know both of us would love to see Bradley Beal on a more competitive team. But let's say he does sign re-sign with the Wizards. Do you think he is hurting or helping his career more?
1: Um it's weird because the Wizards are in these like weird plays now where they've made a couple moves that I think have actually helped them out. Like Kyle Kuzman has shown that he's a better player than he was with the Lakers. Um they signed Perzingis. They traded for Perzingis, and he's still a guy that, when he's on the a, on a court, he's kind of – he's been a productive player. Um, so, I don't know. It's just hard. Like, I, do I see Bradley being winning a championship with the Wizards? Crap, no. But do I see them, like, being – back to being a competitive team and him being the big – the top dog on a competitive team? I kind of could. I just think they need to, you know – Get a make a move for an upgraded point guard. And Rui Moore is one of the better young, small forwards in the game. So they have pieces. I think it's just they they all have to stay healthy. And I think that they can make, the, make a couple runs in the playoffs.
0: I think it just kind of – for me, it just de- depends on how you would define – A successful career Like if you look at it from the terms of rings And playoff accolades Then let's be honest He's not going to really get many of those in Washington Unfortunately But I mean He could go down in history As one of the greatest If not the greatest Washington Wizard of all time Depending on what else he's able to do in his career Because I mean he's already been I'll say this If I'm putting on a Wizards game It's only because I want to see Bradley Beal Um, I think that because of his talent And his ability like it's hard not to respect what he's trying to do and trying to be loyal and trying to stay with that team, even though it doesn't seem like on the on the surface they're going to have a lot of long-term success. But at the very least, I mean, who knows? A lot could potentially change. Uh, the Wizards aren't exactly a glamorous free agent destination, but, I mean, if they're able to continue to build on the pieces that they have, as you mentioned, Christos Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Rui Hachimura is another guy, I think that they could do some really good Interesting things, even if it doesn't lead to a championship. But me being biased and me loving Bradley Bill, I'd love for him to go to a championship caliber team. But at this point, I don't know if it's going to happen anymore. And kind of how I feel about Damian Lillard, I've kind of just kind of given up on it just because these players seem so adamant about wanting to stay where they are. And if you want to stay, nobody can make you leave. But all right, let's talk about leaving. And we got to talk about my main man, Russell Westbrook, who it's been rough. It has been a rough tenure with the Los Angeles Lakers and we're not even to the playoffs. And he's been very candid about that this past week in a press conference. He opened up on how he's not a fan of this West, these West being called Westbrick, how he feels disrespected, how it's disrespecting his name, and how even the criticisms from fans and taunting has even affected his family. He's mentioned that his family has even received death threats. He felt like it's he said that it's having an effect on his kids. It's it's been bad. Um, across the board, and so much so that, like I said, Russ has publicly spoken out on it. His wife, uh, Nina, has also spoken out of it. Even got into a heat exchange with Skip Bayless about the overall disrespect. It's fair. However, questions are being brought about if he is possibly overreacting or not. Even Shannon Sharp reached out to say that um, he said... On Russell Westbrook's latest complaining, zero sympathy. Play better. They didn't call him boy. They didn't call him a monkey. They called him Westbrook because it seems like everything that he shoots is a brick. So, Ethan, in your opinion, do you feel like um do you feel like Russell is overreacting to all the criticism, or do you think he has a right to be upset?
1: I think he's overreacting. I think that this is the first time in Russell's career to where he. Like, he's always received this criticism, but he's, his play has always persevered and pushed them through. Like, even on other uh, all, all teams that he's been traded to, he's played he's played own so part in the first half of the season, and then the second half of the season, it clicks, and he figures out the best way to fit in on their team, and he pushes their team to a playoff position, and with the Lakers, when you're playing for a team with that rabbit of a fan base and that much history and tradition behind it, you're going to receive way more criticism behind it. And one of the things that I saw as I was reading something on Twitter one day is like people whispered was the guy that was behind the narrative of calling Candy a cupcake. And... He was perfectly fine with calling Katie a cupcake, but now he has issues with being called Westbrook. Westbrook, I'm sorry. And like Shannon said, it's not like anybody um, that we know of are like saying really great derogatory things towards you, now granted the death threats and things that nature towards his family, that's definitely disrespectful and it definitely has to stop. But if he's just run of the mill normal trash talk, that any player goes through, then I think he's overreacting.
0: Yeah, I agree with with, with regards to the Westbrook thing. I think that is overreacting. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was – I'm sorry. i got to work, you now Um Yeah, but with regards to the Westbrook thing, I think it is a bit of an overreaction. But I can understand his frustration if he feels like it's having an effect on his kids. Like it's yeah, you can talk stuff about me. You can say what you want about me. But when it's affecting my family, that's when it becomes a problem. And I think that that's where we're kind of seeing. I think that's why Russell is starting to get more frustrated. And on another thing is, you're playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. This isn't Oklahoma. This isn't Washington. This is arguably not arguably. This is the biggest team in the league regardless of what their record are. Is everybody's going to talk about the Lakers and it's going to be much more media attention than you ever gotten before. And so because of that, you're going to be subjected to more criticism. You're going to be on more nationally televised games, so more people are going to be watching you and going to share more of a negative opinion about you. And so with that being said, I do think that I think that he is a bit overreacting, but I can it's a bit of a culture shock going from L.A. and not playing for L.A. as opposed to playing for smaller markets. So I can understand why it's frustrating. I can understand why he's not feeling it, especially if it is, like you said, affecting his kids. But, I mean, there are worse nicknames. There are way worse nicknames than West Brick. And, I mean, like I said, I love Russell Westbrook. He's my favorite player, but he does shoot a lot of bricks. He's not the most efficient shooter. He It's is just a fact. And the biggest way you want to prove people wrong, have them stop calling you Westbrook, is make your shots. It's it's literally as simple as that. So I think that, honestly, I just think that they're not going to go away. I understand the frustration. But long as they're not really disrespecting, like, in the way that Shannon was mentioning or, like, and they keep it away from your family, I think it's just a part of the game. It's a part of being a media figure. I mean, hell, ask LeBron. LeBron knows all about it. Kate, as you mentioned, Katie being called Cupgate, for years and a snake for years. Like, it, it unfortunately, just comes with the territory. But all right, let's go ahead and move on to believable or buffoonery, starting off with comments about uh, Russell's teammate, Anthony Davis, who, as we all know, has been fairly injury prone throughout his career Hopefully, the Lakers will be able to get him back by the time of the playoffs. But either way, Bill Simmons is over the AD hype. He said, AD will have missed the playoffs six out of the last 10 years. You look at the other guys who have been really good in the league. Giannis is never missing the playoffs if he's healthy. Neither is Jokic. We are finding out this year it doesn't matter who is on his team. Safe to say he believes that AD is pretty overrated. But... Do you think the same thing, believable or buffoonery? Anthony Davis has become one of the most overrated players in the league. Believable.
1: Um, Honestly, if you look back at his team with the New Orleans Pelicans, where he was the best player, yes, his roster wasn't the best, but it was him, um, a really good version of Drew Holiday. And they only made the playoffs what twice? Mm-hmm. One year they got swept. Granted, the year they got swept, they played the Warriors, and AD was a prominent factor in it. And the second year they beat the Blazers, but well, it was more so because of um, just the defensive um, game plan that they put against um, Damian Lillard. And AD was a good, play, a good productive player in that game, in that series as well. Like, the only real time I feel like AD truly impacted winning in a um, major way as far as a playoff standpoint was that bubble bubble year with the Lakers. He was a key piece to their championship team. But I think outside of that, he really has shown that, like, hey, you can't depend – like, he's not that guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I feel you on that. I'm also saying believable because, I mean – say it a lot, but it always remains true. The best ability anybody can have is availability. And truthfully, he's not available. He has not been available throughout much of his career. And as you mentioned, when the Lakers won a championship, nobody, I think you take AD off that team, they don't win a ring. I believe that wholeheartedly. However, aside from that, you can't live off that forever. Like you have to do more, especially if you are slated to be the next guy the lake they're going to be handing you the keys to the franchise whenever lebron leaves but you have not proven to be trustworthy like you're not somebody who a team really feels like they can build around which is kind of frustrating especially if you are the lakers and you're used to the certain expectation of winning so yeah with that being said i'm i'm calling believable all right, let's go ahead and move on to your main man Ja Morant who while he has been setting the league on fire this season, not everybody is convinced. Um Colin Coward on his podcast said Fans and the media have fallen for this. It's called John Wall, Russell Westbrook, and Derrick Rose. Essentially, he's not really buying that John Morant will be a long-term superstar because of the comparisons to other athletic point guards. So, believable or buffoonery, John Morant is bound to struggle long-term due to his style of play. Um,
1: Honestly, I'm going to say believable simply because it has been a... Actually, I'm not going to say believable. I'm going to say I'm somewhere in the middle. Like, I see some belief in it. I also see some buffoonery in it because one of the differences between Ja and a lot of these other athletic point guards is is that Ja knows how to... um He knows how to curve and utilize his athleticism. It isn't all athleticism. Like, he has... He has pace, he has a way to, he has skill sets, he has IQ. In the difference of like a D. Rose, D. Rose kind of went 100 miles an hour. Westbrook has always gone 100 miles an hour. You don't always see Ja go 100 miles an hour. You see him have moments where he just revs it up and then he explodes. But you don't always see him, it's like, like he always uses his athleticism at all times i do think that the one thing that i will say in the case of Ja is that Ja has to um he has to work on the ways that he takes contact when he goes to the basket and when he falls those are things that could like reduce his career but outside of that no
0: yeah um i'm gonna say I'm going to say buffoonery just because I think it's unfair to kind of lump him into other guys because, I mean, honestly, you we talk about athleticism and all that, but, I mean, I think that Ja is young enough to kind of keep refining his skill set to where he won't just rely on that athleticism long term. Because, I mean, honestly, injuries played a big role in Derrick Rose falling. Same could be said for John Wall. Russell Westbrook is one of those guys who was never really bit by the injury bug, but he never kind of diversified his game enough to where he didn't just rely on athleticism. If he can find – if mean can find a way to do a better job of not just – relying on his ability to drive and not just being getting those crazy dunks. And I think that he'll be fine. And I think that we've already seen that he's trying to be better at other things. So he's not just focused on that. So I'm going to say buffoonery, just because I think it's unfair to automatically just think that he's just going to fit into this one category. But all right, last question before we make our game picks for tonight. And it is another Russell Westbrook centered question. Magic Johnson. Hall of Famer, one of the greatest point guards, if not the greatest point guards who ever stepped foot on the court, and beloved Laker, had some very strong comments about Russell Westbrook, who said that the rush trade could be the worst in Lakers history. He added, we could have had DeMar DeRozan, Buddy Heald, and been a much better team, and said that if we don't make the play-in or we have to play in the play-in, this officially makes the rush trade the worst. The Lakers have done a lot of questionable things in the past, but believable or buffoonery, the Russell Westbrook trade is the worst in the team's history.
1: Um, That's hard to say because I don't fully know the team's history, but I'm going to say yes.
0: I'm gonna say buffoonery. Yes, it was not exactly the best move we ever should have made, but it's it's weird because I would say that the Dwight Howard trade was worse. And the reason why I say that is because I think you, you're upset about the rush trade because you're like you're comparing it to who you could have gotten. Okay, that's fair. But at the time that we traded for Dwight Howard, he was undoubtedly the best center in the league. He was undoubtedly one of the most dominant defensive players. He was going to be the next – he was going to be the franchise after Kobe. And he got here, and it was terrible. It was not good in any form or fashion. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's hard to be a superstar playing with Kobe Bryant, but – I find what he did more disappointing because he came in with more hype. When the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook, everybody knew what Russell Westbrook was. I think if anything, you can't be as mad at Russell for being who Russell is. You have to be more mad at the front office for going this route as opposed to other people. So if we're talking in terms of quality of player, I would easily say no, this isn't the most this, this isn't the worst trade, but if we're talking about I mean, hindsight is only, you know, 2020. I Nobody really thought or knew that DeMar DeRozan was going to be going off the way that he is. He still would have been a better, you know, get than Russ at the time. But I, I don't know. I have a hard time saying it's the worst just because the Lakers have already, like I said, made not great decisions. And I still, maybe because personally I'm more upset about the Dwight Howard trade. That's why I think that's worse. But I don't think that Russ is, I don't think Russ is the worst. But all right, let's go ahead and make our game picks for tonight, March 10th. It's an easy night, only two games, but they're going to be pretty important. First things first, we're going to be looking at the return of Ben Simmons to Philly. He's not going to be playing, but, of course, Philly fans are going to serenade him in booze and shenanigans. They're going to be taking on the um, 76ers. So, Nets 76ers, who you got? Oh, uh, I got 76ers. Yeah, I'm going 76ers as well. Um. Well, never. Can Kyrie play tonight?
1: Yeah, he playing.
0: You know what? I take that back. I take that back. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Nets. I'm gonna go Nets because they've lost some tough battles, some really close games with KD and Kyrie playing well. I think that this is gonna be a bit different. I think Joel and Embiid is gonna go stupid because they're not gonna have anybody who can stop them. But I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Nets. All right, and then. Hopefully the return of Draymond Green, uh Warriors versus Nuggets, who you got?
1: Uh If it's the return of Draymond, I have then the the Warriors.
0: Yeah, I feel you on that. That's pretty I'm a am I'm a am I'm a ride out with the Warriors. I'm cuz they lost the last game to the Nuggets. That's the one they blew a 20 some point lead, right? That was that game. I think so. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Warriors. Yeah, I'm gonna go Warriors. But all right, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out theexport.net. I repeat, theexport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled the X Report. Ethan, anything you'd like to add before we close out this bad boy?
1: Um, go Grizz, go Titans, go Tigers, uh, and hopefully. We get some, we get a good, we get a good couple of games. And like, I think
0: they feel the next game is going to be really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, going to do a plug. Our free agency mock draft be coming up um, soon after the release of this. Um, Mock free agency starts March 16th, a.k.a. next, uh, what's that, next Wednesday? So, give it a little time. I know it's going to be a very exciting time. But, we're going to try to suss it out for you guys, do a nice little mock draft, free agency, who we think the teams will select if free agency was done in a draft uh, format. And I think that's a lot of fun. Um, also for me, I mean, go Lakers, even though I my expectations for this team is incredibly low. So just don't keep looking bad, I guess. I mean, honestly, it's hard to really give any props to the Lakers right now. We're terrible. Um, And none of the other teams are in season. I hope that the Ravens figure something out with Lamar. Hope we make some nice free agency moves because that's all I can really ask for. And, uh, oh, yeah, go Memphis's women's basketball team because they're looking great these days, and I hope they can continue to do it. But, all right, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time.